Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. What would you do if a lion was on the prowl in your neighborhood? And this lion had already devoured all of your neighbors. Perhaps this lion is crouching in the bushes in your front yard with his eyes fixed on your front door. Wouldn't you be rather cautious before stepping outside? Wouldn't you be geared up and ready to fend off that lion if you had to? Notice here, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And the fact is, he has feasted on everyone, pretty much. Revelation 12, verse 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Satan there is called a dragon, too. A lion, a dragon. And he's just eating and slaughtering and feasting on everybody. That is the type of formidable force we are all up against. Whether we realize it or not. Even if we don't care about fighting him. He's still going to be a factor in our lives and we will become his his meal if we don't fight him the history of satan the devil is quite fascinating and it does have a really sobering lesson for all of us satan wasn't always the bad guy. He wasn't always the lion or the dragon devouring everybody. That's what he turned into. You see, God did make him perfect and beautiful. That's how he started out. But something changed. And all of us are susceptible to this same change taking place in our own minds. Notice Ezekiel 28, verse 15. Here, God is reminding the devil of his good beginning. 
Ezekiel 28, verse 15. You were perfect in your days from the day that you were created till lawlessness was found in you. That word iniquity should be lawlessness. Lawlessness is a much stronger word. And it shows us more accurately exactly what Satan's problem was. God made him as Lucifer, a light-bringing, musically gifted archangel. But then he was twisted and perverted into Satan the devil. It started in his mind. It started with lawlessness in the booklet, John's Gospel, The Love of God. Philadelphia Church of God, Pastor General Gerald Flurry writes on page 54, Lucifer reached a point where he simply would no longer keep the law of God, which is the love of God. Lucifer stopped loving God. That is where lawlessness leads. If you are breaking God's law, that is the end result. Satan began traveling down the wrong path, and he didn't stop. He just kept going. So this had everything to do with lawlessness. The Bible repeatedly tells us that love means obeying God. It means keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, the opposite, disobedience, is not love. It's hatred. Lucifer became, consume, became consumed with hatred and lawlessness. This could happen to any of us. It has happened all around us in society with people who simply aren't aware that a roaring lion is preying on them. He's turning people to think the exact way he does. He's making them miserable just like he is. And it wasn't necessarily that Lucifer went from being joyous and loving to angry and hateful in a split second. This was a gradual change. And here's how it actually started. This is a couple verses later, Ezekiel 28, verse 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. That was Satan's problem. God made Lucifer beautiful and Lucifer knew it. He became obsessed with himself. 
he would be like someone who just can't stop preening in front of the mirror. Just enamored with his physical features. Plenty of humans can fall into that. Lucifer definitely did. And yet he didn't realize how much greater God and the word were. Those two pre-existing, all-powerful God beings who created him. Vastly superior to Lucifer. Lucifer, if anything, should have been enamored with God's beauty. That really could have helped him out if he had the proper focus. If he had any humility, but he became vain. Proud of his beauty. And it took away his wisdom. He became a failure. One of the most sad examples in all of history. Someone with just absolutely boundless potential. And yet, look how it turned out for him. Once... God later created human beings. Satan was a constant threat to mankind. He was constantly able to flip humans to his side, to convince humans to betray their creator just like he did. And this is such a major issue that Jesus Christ even prayed about it really hard just before he was crucified. He understood that Satan, this roaring lion, is devouring the whole world. That the world simply has not received their chance just yet to be taught God's way and to follow God. They are Satan's prey. So Christ prayed to God that at least God's church wouldn't suffer this same fate. Notice here, John 17 verse 15, Christ's completely selfless mindset just before he went through absolutely unimaginable suffering. John 17 verse 15. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The translators botched this verse. They make it seem like Christ was asking God to protect God's people from the evil. But no, it's the evil one, a specific lion that God's people need protection from. We are in the world. We are surrounded by people 
who have been devoured by that lion. If you're in tune with God's message, you have a pretty good chance of escaping that fate. But everyone around us is suffering, is helpless as this lion pounces on them. So because of Christ's prayer, because of God's plan, people who are a part of God's church simply are not an option to be preyed upon by Satan, this roaring lion, unless we choose to become Satan's prey. God does provide special protection for his people, his chosen few who are delivering a warning message to the world, who are preparing to, te to teach the entire world in the very near future. One of God's blessings for his people is protection. God can protect our minds. He can protect our bodies from all of the deadly threats of the devil. If we let God protect us, sadly, plenty of God's own people have chosen to abandon that protection and the inevitable has occurred. They would figuratively step outside and be devoured by that lion. They didn't have the spiritual armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter six. They were not equipped to fight off that lion. So this lion, this Satan, the devil desperately wants to cause all of us every human being to, to basically become obsessed with ourselves. He wants to cause all of us to be vain and arrogant and to fall in love with how great we are. It could be physical beauty. It could be money or some kind of success or fame. We could just be in love with how we think and just think we have the best ideas and we know what's best. No one can tell us anything else. And all around us, we can see examples of Satan's lawlessness, his lack of love. And just this week, there was a mass shooting in Texas with a body count of over 20. And every time something like this happens, the reaction is stunning. It just seems like certain people rush to 
politicize what just happened. They want to attack anyone who disagrees with them as being in favor of school shootings, as wanting more school shootings to happen. Is that true or is it a disgusting lie? Does anyone really want more school shootings? Or do people just disagree on the exact method for stopping those? Satan became lawless. He became a liar and a murderer. Don't you think he would be behind such tragedies as the one at a Texas elementary school this week? Don't you think he would be the one behind all of the lies that are immediately spread like a plague as soon as anything like this ever happens? I mean, just the solutions that are pushed are just insane. It becomes all about taking away guns as if guns have a mind of their own as if they have arms and legs and a brain and can decide to shoot themselves off at other people. As if the guns are the real problem. And that's just a lie. Obviously, in a perfect world, no one would trust in a gun for protection more than they trust God. But as I said, only God's people can enjoy that kind of protection from God right now. The world has chosen to follow the devil and they have forfeited God's protection for now. All those helpless victims will have a future. They will be resurrected and given a real opportunity to live a pain-free, joyous life. Their time will be redeemed. All, that, all those years that were stolen from them by a murderous madman. But the fact is, only God's people can enjoy God's protection right now. So in, in that situation... Guns are a relevant part of the issue. They have to be discussed in an honest way, in a sound-minded way. Obviously, eliminating guns is not the solution. If you were in a war and you suggested that your army just simply demand that the enemy forfeits all their guns. And that is your best strategy for winning. Everyone would think you were crazy. Well, obviously the enemy is not going to get rid of their guns. That's never going to happen. Why would you even suggest that? And yet every time a mass shooting takes place, that is the type of illogical, nonsense 
solution that is pushed that somehow all of the bad guys, all of the criminals, all of our enemies are going to just hand the guns over. Illegal guns that we don't even know where they came from or or where they are. And they're just going to give them up because we demanded it. That strategy doesn't work in battle. It doesn't work to stop a shooting. It certainly doesn't work spiritually. Just telling the enemy to disarm, that will not work. Yet there are some common sense measures that could be put in place if people really did want to stop these tragedies from happening. A really practical thing to do would be to put more policemen or armed guards at these schools. Now, obviously, sometimes these things could happen even with a security presence. So it has to go deeper than that. Is anyone willing to talk about family and the lack thereof in the lives of these shooters? How these children did not grow up loved and trained the way they should have been? Are we going to get back to traditional family values, God family values? Are we going to talk about that? Are we going to talk about the drug addiction that causes some of these people to lose their minds? Are we going to talk about how in battle to defeat an enemy, you would arm yourself and it would have to be the same in these situations. The more good guys with guns, the more fear is struck in the hearts of these cowards who want to shoot people. Instead, the same people who claim to be the most upset about these shootings ensure that these schools are openly declared gun-free zones. That's an invitation for a cowardly shooter to waltz right in and do what he was fantasizing about. So are these people really concerned about solutions or are they lying like the devil? Are they complicit in these deaths? Just like their father, the devil, who is a liar and a murderer. John 8, verse 44. Where is the love? Every time one of these situations comes up, you see an appalling lack of love. You see intellectual people obsessed with their own ideas that do not work in real life. But they're so convinced they're right. They're so convinced that they are smart, that they are better than you, and that their way is the only way. No one can tell them differently, not even their own creator. And that's just exactly what happened to Lucifer. And it's so easy for for it to happen to any of us, for us to get bitter against God's government, 
and, and choose to lose everything over the tiniest of issues, God is offering us a future where we will be more beautiful than Lucifer ever was. But we can't be obsessed with our own beauty, our own righteousness today. As Mr. Flurry writes in the John booklet, which you can get for free at thetrumpet.com, John's Gospel, The Love of God, Satan isn't excited. Satan isn't happy. We don't want to follow his example. We don't want to let him prey on us and convert us to his sick way of thinking where he is lawless and has no love. We see the effects of lawlessness and hatred all around us all the time. That ought to be a sobering warning to us. Lucifer's history ought to be a sobering warning to us. We ought to think like God. God is ultimately humble and loving. He's lawful. He's righteous. He's perfect. He cares about others more than himself. God is love. Satan is hatred. It should be obvious which way to choose. And if we can choose God, if we can choose love, if we can choose law and life, then an absolutely glorious future awaits. A future alongside Christ as sons of God ruling over the earth ruling the universe and teaching all mankind the way to love, not to hatred, to love. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.